Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's archive edition, we travel back quite a way in our archive, in this case to the 19th century, and meet the manipulative Lady Susan, played by Kate Beckinsale, in Whit Stillman's film Love and Friendship. She's very bright, she's very smart, yet she's got no possible way of really having like a great education, a great career. What kind of saves her is the fact that you do, on some even subliminal level, empathise with the situation that she's in and that she's really boxing clever within a system. Alongside Kate Beckinsale's determined and accomplished Lady Susan, the excellent ensemble cast also includes Xavier Samuel as Reginald de Courcy, the man Lady Susan is determined, even obsessed, to marry. Chloe Sevigny as her American friend Alicia Johnson, Stephen Fry as Mr Johnson, Morfred Clark as Frederica Vernon, her daughter, and not forgetting an incredible bamboozled Tom Bennett as Sir James Martin. It's just that, it's that if you will not pay attention to me, then perhaps you will to a larger imperative. The law of the universe. An offer as splendid as Sir James's is not likely to come around again. He has offered you the one thing he has of value to give. His income. I can see Sir James is a kind man, and if it weren't a matter of marriage, I'm sure I could like him. But marriage is for one's whole life. Not in my experience. Actors Chloe Sevigny and Kate Beckinsale reunite, having worked together previously on Whit Stillman's 1998 film The Last Days of Disco, inspired by New York's famous Studio 54, which is something we discuss. So, I spoke to Kate Beckinsale. In the, in the film, you play Lady Susan, who attempts and generally succeeds in controlling everyone around her. Um, she's a real one-off. She is, and I love that. And those don't come around every five minutes, so I was, I was delighted to read her. My um, education in English literature sort of stopped at A-level because I did French, German and Russian A-level. So I don't think I'm in the minority, however. I think a lot of people mm. haven't heard of this particular one. And... I was delighted to read it. I read the script and I was thinking, I thought, this isn't really Jane Austen. This is Whit Stillman <laughs> writing something in the style of Jane Austen. Because I remember when I did Emma, there was a sort of vogue after that of people writing sequels to Jane Austen, you know, in the style yeah. of... The, I thought it was one of those. You know, I really, really didn't think how much dialogue comes out of my mouth in this movie. 85 to 90% of it is straight from the novella, which is wow. amazing, really. And so, yeah, I thought it was very racy and very... Uh, uh, sort of acid for what mm. I was expecting, you know. 
It's interesting that um, I was thinking as well when I was, was in the other room. I was thinking from from a British point of view, we 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 drown in period dramas. Mm. You know, even 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 Downtown Abbey. You know, we, yeah. we we are used to that world. This manages to have a certain amount of freshness and 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 kind of vivacity or whatever. It sounds like that was there from the script onwards. It really was. It's there from the novella. That's what's amazing. Is it? It's. Um, I suppose I understand why Jane Austen, aged 19, put it in a drawer and felt the world wasn't ready for it. But we are now, you know, and that's what's really that's what's really nice. When I started my career in England, we really were only making period dramas. And one of the reasons I ended up in this kind of bizarre situation of becoming very associated with doing action movies and firing machine guns was because I thought, oh, I need to do something else, you know, other than that. So it is a funny thing to, to find that, one of the most refreshing choices I've made, the thing that sort of surprised people is going back to the thing I started out doing in the first place. Yeah, no, that's quite interesting, isn't yeah. it? Because you rebelled against it and now you're sort of, is this maybe the first step on a path to, to, to hopefully some more interesting material that you can you can I mean, play? You know, obviously one has always rather craved interesting material. It just really, it, you know, I think the point is you're not always choosing from every single option available. And I think, I think for me, I wanted to be able to do as many different types of things as possible, mm. partly just in terms of my own learning process. And, um, you know, I wasn't somebody who went to drama school. I went to Oxford. So for me, doing action movies was actually, it was so terrifying and so not ever had been in my plan. And it was very physically interesting for me as an actress to do that. You know, I, 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 I really benefited enormously from all that training. I think, you know, whatever you do at drama school where you have to pretend to be an animal for a year and things like that, I didn't do that. So it sort of fell under the umbrella of that. The different thing, I suppose, from, from drama school is that that doesn't lodge in the public consciousness quite so much mm. as doing movies where you're jumping off buildings and things. I think I was so secure in my persona as this sort of rather academic mm. person that it felt like everybody was in on the joke, really, of how ludicrous it is for me to be this action movie, which, of course, they're not. And so I did find a few years ago, I suddenly found it sort of rather oppressive. Um, that the Not that I don't like my career, I don't like those movies. It's just odd to be mostly associated with the thing that's the biggest stretch for you and the thing that sort of is the furthest mm. from your sensibility. It's such a coup, I think, to be able to do things that are outside your immediate sensibility, especially as an actor. But it's pretty strange to find that that comes to define you in a way that, that I found that very uncomfortable. And so why I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the fact that I've had the opportunity to mm. do those kind of movies. I would change that that's the sum total of my thing because... Yeah. You know, obviously, there is a sum total for everybody. There is. It's just that when it isn't yours, it's a funny feeling. <laughs> Lady Susan. Lady Susan Vernon. How dare you address me, sir? Lady Susan. Be gone, sir. I will have you whipped. Outrageous. Have you never met him? No, I know him well. I would never speak to a stranger like that. There's a really nice thing here, though, in the sense that you're going back to uh, working with um, uh, Whit Stillman, and um, who was very important early on, and, and, and you worked with before. So you're kind of like, from what you were talking about, you're sort of re-establishing the past. You're connecting the two together. Yeah, and I think I don't know. It's, it it feels a bit peculiar to me that that things can feel that they get expunged, you know, when they're not in you as a person at all. The interesting thing is, is that I was so terrified of doing Last Days of Disco with Whit Stillman. It was the first 
time I'd ever gone to really spent much time in America and I, mm. and I had to be there. I didn't, you know, my boyfriend was busy. My mom wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't take anyone even to come out and visit. So it was this kind of frightening odyssey for me of going, oh God, I'm going to don't know anyone. And I'm playing this character that I'm not really very familiar with. And these people I don't really know. And um, I was really, really anxious about it. And so Wit plucked me out of Jizzik and threw me into New York <laughs> and then plucked me out of America and threw me back basically to Jizzik. It was quite funny that he's, He's been the one, he's sort of politely ignored all the machine gun fire that's gone on in between and just sort of said, I remember who you are from the last time and now I'm ready to do another movie. Are you, are you free? Alice, I am so, so sorry. I should never have said that. I have some sort of sick compulsion to say everything that occurs to me. I just want to let you know as soon as I can find a new rooming situation, I'm moving out. I can't take it. It's not possible. You're not serious. Just let me know when you're ready to go. Okay. I was pretty lucky, and I'd already worked by then with Kenneth Branagh and John Schlesinger. I mean, I'd done pretty, I'd done, I'd done quite a few. I'd had some luck by that point, but Wit, as I said, Wit was one of my very first Americans, and he is different. He is, you know, at that point, he was making a movie about a very, very specific social media in uh, with which he was immensely familiar mm. and sort of kind of the expert and king of. So. And I really wasn't familiar with it. So there was a, a different vibe on that movie than there was on this one because obviously I was a lot more familiar with Jane Austen and British things than I was with that. Um, his, having said that, his his method is, is his technique is very similar in that he doesn't really like rehearsal. In fact, I don't think he really have any. He, I think, is is very, very weighted on casting. So he takes a great deal of time to find, you know, the perfect people for for him and then just sort of wants them to do their thing. And, you know, um, I was baffled by that being me and last season disco because I was like, oh, hang on. But it's just, it was a similar thing. He spends a long, long, long time writing. He's very specific. And yet... His other great strength is he's very in the moment and will change things. And you'll find that you've got a new scene in the morning, which is, you know, exhilarating and also can be terrifying, <laughs> especially when you're playing Lady Susan who talks a lot, yes. you know, and you haven't got very long schedule to, to drag it out. So, so those are the things that I think he's very, very particular about, obviously, because he's a writer-director. He spends the gestation process, you know, period on this movie was kind of staggeringly long. I heard him at one Q&A we were doing say he first thought of it in 1999, which is like, wow. that's a very long pregnancy for a movie. I mean, I know they can take a minute, but I think that's when the germ of it was a long time ago. And he said, you know, I was far too young to play a widow with a 16-year-old then. So obviously that's why it's taken it so long, which I'm sure is not true, but kind of a funny thing to say. But that the fact that he does take such painstakingly long time and care and has got patience to to really wait until it's mm. the right moment. And then also can be that person who suddenly comes up with a brand new scene the day of. That's quite unusual. Especially for a period drama. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also because he's so unbelievably intelligent and he's a huge Jane Austen fan. And if anyone's going to write a scene in the style of Jane Austen, I would like it to be wit, you know. I must say, you, you, you look surprised. You were astonished to see me, no? Not? That's how it looked. Yes, I was astonished, and I still am. Um, an impressive establishment you have here, sir. My congratulations. Immaculate. Mr. Corsi is Mrs. Vernon's brother. Very good. It's her husband, Charles Vernon, who has Churchill. Churchill. That's how you say it. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All together like that. Chacho! <laughs> oh, well, that explains a lot. You see, I'd heard church... And Hill, but couldn't find either. All I could see was this big house. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about the dialogue because Shakespearean is probably the wrong way of describing it. But I mean, it's very loaded. It's very powerful dialogue. Very, very funny. The wit, the sarcasm, the yeah. biting wit. It's, it's, it's just incredible. I think what I find so amazing is that, like, for, as I said, my character mainly is straight Jane Austen. And the, the thing that's extraordinary about that is that this is an epistolary novel. So the fact that the letters sound so much like speech, you know, mm. and um, and given that they are fairly floral and verbose, you know, they, I think that's extraordinary. Really, I love the dialogue. I love I love that there's so much in everything. That's very loaded. No, there was almost no. I don't know that I said the lines until I was on set. You know, really? we didn't. We 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 did one table read, which I think we found very depressing, until Tom Bennett appeared on Skype, and then he and then he cheered up a bit. But he I hates that. Sort of, him, yeah. Yes, he hates that sort of thing. He doesn't like rehearsal. He doesn't. He he likes doing it. He doesn't like all the uh, other stuff. So I don't know. But so yeah, that seems looking back kind of incredible that that was how it went. But it. But that's that's how it rolls. Yeah, I want you to talk about Tom Bennett. I mean, <laughs> that first scene where he comes when he comes comes in and, and chats to you is just is just um, wow. Well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's so funny. And the thing about him was, you know, we had all this rehearsal. He turned up at this read through, which he wasn't even there. He was on Skype doing some some other thing with this complete performance. It was complete. You know, you you knew this person. You knew this absolute before. You can see in every mannerism he has. He also manages to be sort of stupid and endearing. I think it's a really difficult part. And I also think, you know, given, as I said, this is an epistolary novel, there are no letters from his character. So his voice really is wit. I think wit's done an amazing job of making that, Yes, that is the sort of broader humour of the movie, but it's not jarring. It doesn't feel kind of tacked on. And Tom as well has done an amazing job of, of that. So I, I love those bits. Amazing. Let's talk about a, a couple of the other sort of major themes or major characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the relationship between Lady Susan and her daughter, Frederica, mm-hmm. is, at, is at the heart of it. 
I don't, I don't know how to summarise it. I mean, does she not care about her? I think she really does. I think the thing is she's very practical. I think that during that period of time, if you've got a daughter who, as far as you can see, does not seem remarkable, she's not ostentatiously talented, she's not, you know, whatever, and also seems to have this notion that she's not going to have to get married to secure her future. That seems very dangerous at that period of time. Mm. Like, you know, I think she's very concerned that her daughter's... I mean, she thinks her daughter's stupid, you know, which which is such a harsh and terrible thing to say about your daughter. But I, I can sort of understand it, given that Lady Susan lives in this kind of daily drama of being this immensely bright woman who really does have to secure her future by finding a husband of some type and sees her daughter being kind of idealistic, a bit whiffy, and it's just like, absolutely can't happen. So there is a, a love and concern. It's just... It's coming through this kind of practical... That the fact that she's settled by the end of the movie, she's settled that her daughter actually has got a little bit more sneakiness to her than she thought. Runs, right? runs in the family. Makes her feel good, yeah. OK, we've done, we've done love, so let's let's move to friendship. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, there's obviously the connection with Last Days of Disco. You're yeah. you're working again with, with Chloe, who, who luckily happens to be an American in exile. Yeah, I think that was a nice twist. She's not in the novella, and I think, you know, I've seen this, this movie screened in a few places, and it's... I love the fact that Americans are so ready to laugh at being sent up in a movie, you know, because, I mean, everything that is said about Americans is brutally insulting. And (laughs) there's some of the biggest laughs it gets in America, which is actually very nice. I like that. I like the fact that um, I think it was a great choice on Wit's part because it makes Alicia sort of an outsider in the same way as Lady Susan is because she's sort of ahead of her time and mm. and that there's a kind of modern she's a, she can be a bit more modern and racy and you sort of buy that so quickly because she's American and I love that she's always being threatened with the worst fate anyone could have God you're going back to Connecticut you know, it's, it's very funny to me and I think Whit was very obsessed with the fact that he, he managed to get Stephen Fry into the film yes he was um, I that was happened to be the day I was off camera in flagrante so I wasn't there that was my one day off they had one day I guess Stephen was hosting the BAFTAs and going somewhere else and they had this one precious day that was Friday the 13th that they called Stephen Friday. They had to really galvanise themselves to kind of get every single thing they needed from him that day. And Stephen is another person who, you know, Wit is a, a Jane Austen obsessive, but Stephen also is. And I think, I think Wit really enjoyed having, you know, another really sort of intellectual obsessive around, mm. you know. I fear this is our last meeting, at least while Mr Johnson is in life. His business at Hartford has become extensive. If I continue to see you, he vows to settle in Connecticut forever. Oh, you could be scalped. I had a feeling that the great word respectable would someday divide us. Your husband I abhor, but we must yield to necessity. Our affection cannot be impaired by it, and in happier times, when your situation is as independent as mine, we will again unite. For this, I will impatiently wait. I also... May Mr. Johnson's next gouty attack end more favourably. <laughs> It's a cliche to talk about dresses in regards to a period film. But I was reading, which I found quite interesting, the fact that the costumes have to change from the beginning of her being a widow through to her sort of, you know, coming to to attract her husband, for a better phrase. Yes. There's a sort of mauve period where she's crossing over that goes on a bit. Um, (laughs) But yes, when I first spoke to Wit about costumes on the phone, it was interesting because he said, I really don't want it. It's not Sense and Sensibility. It's not Pride and Prejudice. It's not, it's a different kind of movie. And I don't want it to have empire waists and... I don't want that. I want it to have... We, we are able to use a kind of French fashion of that period, which is a little bit sort of sexier and racier. 
And I think that was a really good choice because it isn't it, it isn't the same sort of a movie. It's not a romance in that sense. And so, yeah, he started, he wanted to start out kind of full on veil and black and and then we sort of, as I said, we kind of move into mauve and then by the end of it, it's like red and, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing because wit is very much master of the sort of nuanced comedy, intelligent, smart comedy that kind of creeps up on you and that's character-based and that makes you die laughing because this character is, you know, myopic about themselves in one way or, another, or whatever. But what I, what I think is cool in this is that he's also proved himself to be incredibly good with a, with a kind of fairly broad comedy and the two things coexist in this movie in a way that really works well. The only downside being that there are so many things that are funny in it that having been to some screenings, sometimes people are still busy laughing at one thing and they slightly miss the next thing because they kind of come in so far, they you know, get really peppered in there. Um, so it's definitely something that you can stand watching a couple of times because you, <laughs> you, you probably do miss some stuff. Again, sort of going back to the beginning, the, the, for a better phrase, again, pantomime maybe even as we were in, in England, um, you know, she, she, she is a villain. She's, she's the, the character that, that dominates the film. But I think at the end you start to wonder as you walk away from the cinema, how much of a villain was she and how all the other people's agendas, maybe they weren't as clear as morally morally upright as they think they were. Yeah, I mean, I think you cannot take it out of the context of this, you know, cultural and social situation that's just really crap for women, you know. I mean, she's very bright, she's very smart, she's, she's charming, she's a thinking person she's cultured yet she's got no possible way of really having like a great education a great career financial independence she has to marry somebody like that just does seem so preposterous and then you see this kind of the spirit of this woman so I think what kind of saves her is the fact that you do on some even subliminal level empathize with the situation that she's in and that she's really boxing clever within a system and if you really look at it in terms of villains, she's not, you know, she's not really hurting anyone. Wit said something very interesting in terms of casting, in that the person, the only person she really destroys in any way, is uh, Lady Mannering, whose husband she obviously has an affair with, and who ends up leaving. And Wit said it was a real challenge for him to find an actress who was capable of being terribly kind of histrionic and upset but also annoying enough that as an audience you don't mind that her life is destroyed you're kind of like oh god do shut up you know you can see and I thought that was really interesting because if she were too sympathetic mm. I think it would be harder but she's sort of she's cast through Lady Susan's perspective as an audience you experience Lady Mannering as being this kind of oh do stop going on about your marriage it's, I mean one, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is Chloe saying, you know, she's going on and on about this marriage that's been over for weeks, <laughs> which really isn't a long time considering, you know, getting over being being separated. But um, I, I think that was a really genius move on his part and on Jamari's part. How ungentlemanly. It's shocking. I can't believe it. Yes, very shocking. A gentleman entrusted with correspondence marked private reads it regardless. And then because of a few confidential remarks, the obloquy is mine. Who has acted badly in this affair? Only you and I stand innocent of reading other people's correspondence. Unluckily, Lady Mannering also wormed out of her husband's servant that Mannering visited you in private. Oh. Facts are horrid things. Thanks to Kate Beckinsale for speaking to me back in 2016 about this very delightful and refreshing film. 
I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. It's here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds such as this and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on ACAST, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.